0: you guys, I don't know what hit me last night. It was like, I look, here's the thing. I, um, I I'm doing a sample study of, of, well, I've got a few different, uh, things I'm working on, but, but one of them is a uh, health practices of myself, my, my own health practices. And I can tell you guys like, um, Environmental factors are, are a huge issue. You know what is an environment? It's you know basically your habitat, right? Um, and those factors that are at play uh, at play when uh, you're in your whenever you're in that environment. So there's different environments that I'm looking at. You know, like uh, my mom's home environment and my brother's home environment, and like a home environment, say in Florida, and then and then here. And I've never actually um, had any sort of uh, experience with um, the uh, medical uh, THC and uh, CBD in the state of Florida, because it's not legal there. But in um, Illinois, and California, actually, I could put California on there. uh, It was a good experience, where it cured my symptoms of, say, fatigue, um, nausea, and the other one, which is sore muscles from working out. So for a lot of COVID, I was in Chicago with with family when things were, you know, they were open. And then I I was in Florida, and they were still everything was open there. But um, Chicago was like, I was just there for a while and just doing some schoolwork. Um, Didn't really work there until like last summer. But um again, so it doesn't really matter, but my um the time when I was in Chicago and using uh the cannabis and T uh C B D, THC, it was very much a post workout like protein, just a post workout. So it would help my muscles recover and take the pain away from the joints, right? Um so not really trying to get uh what do you call it, like a high, you know, not really going for that at all. Um, and the same could be said with like something like a nightcap, you know, like a, a little um, nightcap at night, you know, a lot of madmen would would have like, you know, their alcohol during the day at work. But I'm going for maybe just like, uh, like a very small dose at bedtime kind of thing. Uh, it's called a nightcap. I think most people are familiar with, with nightcaps that come in all shapes and sizes. Um But I'm going for basically the same size. And I can tell you, my experience there and in this particular environment has been a huge outlier to the previous samples. It's been quite the outlier. Um, for example, the THC and CBD tends to really impact, um, uh, like this, I get like, there's like a weird, um, something on my chest kind of like a weird chest pressure I'll get, uh, here spe- in, in Missouri specifically that i never would get. Um, you know, with my post-workout regimen in in Illinois, so where it's been legal for a few years, obviously, and uh, during COVID, um, you know, utilizing that, um, not really recreationally, uh, not so much recreationally, but more so medicinally. And um, it's just really strange that uh, so far here, my experience has been, like, really extreme chest pressure, um fatigue and nausea. There's a couple of things that you would think that would go away <laughs> and you know, according to the previous samples. Uh so it has really beaten me up, I would say, um, this uh this go around. Which is a huge outlier. Because like think about if you know I'll just use the nightcap as an example cuz I was just thinking about it. But if you're if you have a nightcap every night and you live say I don't know, I'm just thinking of Don Draper right now. So I'm going to like Long Island, right? So I'm I'm like if you if you work in New York City and then you come home to your nice quiet Long Island suburban home cuz that's, you know, that's a Hollywood movie. Um could be anywhere. But um you know you're you're used to that. You know what to expect from from said nightcap. You know it's it's a nightcap. It's you know and and um, everything's fine. You know you don't uh, you, you know you shouldn't have your whatever Johnny Walker Black. You shouldn't have your Johnny Walker Black one night would be, you know one night should not be any different than the previous ten if you're doing the same size of a nightcap each each night you shouldn't probably have one night where it's just, um, you know, havoc, right? Like there shouldn't be one night where all of a sudden, you get sick, or all of a sudden, um, it causes the symptoms that you would hope for a nightcap to alleviate. Um, That should never be the case. And so far, what I'm seeing is that idea that each time is very different. And that's and that's really new to me. That's very strange um, compared to, like I said, to compared to my other sample sizes, you know, um, like if if I, I, I don't know how else to put this, but there's something unexplained, unexplainable to me anyway, to my knowledge of like what exists in this environment as I, you know, I don't really know what I can't see. I know what happens in my apartment and the things that I can control, you know, hopefully, I mean, I've never really lost control of my body before. I've never... You know, I've never had uh, trouble really eating or swallowing on my own <laughs> or, like, bowel movements, you know. I've I've had pretty much complete control of my body uh, for my entire life. And, uh, you know, at 31 years old, I wouldn't expect to just suddenly lose control. You know, maybe if I was in my 80s or 90s. Bit, I mean, but we're not even close to that. You know what I mean? The amount of, of you know... Uh, you know, like, I'm half of my mom and my dad, and they're, they both come from different, uh, you know, European ancestry, we'll say. So there's nothing in me that's in my 80s or 90s. Like, I don't have 80% of whatever, you know what I mean? So uh if we're, you know, people are big on dog years, if, if you think somebody's a dog because of their ancestry, I guess I think that somebody brought that to my attention a few years ago. But um, You know, I wouldn't think that I would age like a dog because I don't have that, you know, like I'm I'm, a, I'm a huge mix of European ancestry, right? So I, I don't know how I could possibly be 85 or 95 years old internally when I'm 31. It's just not, it doesn't make sense based on the, you know, propaganda that might be surrounding certain ethnicities and their ability to age. But like, I don't think you would walk up to Nico Sansone and say, hey, I know you look great and you're a model and you do great things with the normal brand. I don't think anybody would walk up to Nico and be like, uh, by the way, bro, you're really, uh, because of your Greek and Italian, you're actually about 95. You know what I mean? I don't, like, if somebody would be willing to do that, you know, I, I would find that that probably wouldn't be a great experience to do that uh, to Nico. So I don't know what to say here, but things that I'm used to doing in other places, I, I can't seem to do here with any sense of normalcy, I'm a pretty normal guy. I mean, I'm, you know, speaking of Nico, like I, I'm at least half Nico, you know, uh, genetically, but uh, and the other half is just another mix of everything. So I I don't really know if there's a problem with that. If, you know, people are just like, whatever, um, attacking me because of that, you know, like biological weapons, I don't know. I don't know. But I will say the THC and the CBD and even alcohol has been quite a outlier, just a complete outlier of the situation over here. I mean, I don't know. I'm big on discretion. People know that. I I often was telling people about, you know, talking to the older uh, p- police officers, people that... Um, maybe are retired now and then before that the generation even before them the people that that trained them and how they were kind of the World War II generation, or Korea I guess and of policing and it was just such a very much like a lot of discretion was exercised at all times because these people had served in Korea or the European theater or or, uh, Japanese theater, whatever and so they had seen some really effed up stuff. So when they came here and became cops in the 19, late 1940s, 1950s, or 60s, you know, depending on Korea, whatever, they had a very different idea of policing because they had seen some effed up stuff. So they're like, you know, this is our son. This, this is someone in our community. Like, we need to treat them well, Right. So I think if we can get back to that, that would be good. Like a little bit of discretion. Um, you know, I don't know. Like, in, uh, to me, a cop wears a badge. Like, you're, I wouldn't walk around and be like, oh, that guy's a cop. Unless they have a uniform and they're clearly police. Right? Like, I don't know what all this talk about. Uh, you know, these people are copping. What are they copping? I don't, I don't know what that means. Drugs? You know, I'm not a drug. Don't cop me. You know, <laughs> I don't... What? who who are these coppings who who what kind of copping people are these and uh what are they what are they doing uh copping on a college campus you know what i mean that's pretty weird um i i don't know how those people could get away with that you know unless that's something that maybe a certain church is just keen on doing and maybe that church just uh you know, has buddies in the, uh, in the university. I don't know. Look, I don't know. I'm just throwing stuff out there. I I have no idea how somebody could get away with with such hatred, such uh, asinine behavior, to use no discretion when their neighbor is doing a, a science experiment, for example. So <laughs> like, I like to have a good time, sure. But you know, I have my purpose. I have my reasons for the things that I do. And I, I don't really need to explain that to anybody. If I thought that I did, I would. You know, I don't know about it. You know, uh, I took geometry class fi- in when I was 15 in freshman year of high school. And I wasn't very good at two column proofs. So and my dad said, don't worry about that. You'll never have to deal with that. And I think about the society I live in now. And it's just like, I feel like there's a lot of young kids really big on two column proofs, not so much geometry class, but like showing up uh, like, oh, this is why I did this. Oh, and see, here's what I did. It's like calculus all the time. I don't think anybody wants to live in that world. I'm sorry. I know people don't. I know people, people my age, people older than me, especially but people my age. We like we didn't experience that when we went to school here. We didn't, you know, we never had to prove anything, you know, um so I don't know like if something happened while I was away <laughs> in different states traveling the world world traveler victim I am but um I, I don't know if something happened to the economy here or like I said some some church like told all their members um to to get on board with this but I I think we should get off board with this I don't think this is a good idea calculus all the time hell no you know like, that's that's ridiculous you know, there's no knowledge that the world is ending, or, or that you know. And if there was, why wouldn't people do better? Like uh, about growing, going green. I was in Greeks going green here years back, and man, you know, like I, seeing Gainesville and how everyone in Gainesville, University of Florida, just very much a public Ivy, and I spoke about it before. If all of them have uh, little mopeds, scooters, they range from you know nine hundred dollars to like I don't know four thousand maybe five don't quote me i don't you know i don't i don't have to prove anything so you know well it doesn't matter but if if everyone if every student there has these said mopeds or scooters like if parishioners from whatever church i don't know in somewhere in southern missouri or god knows where you know <laughs> like don't tell people that the world is ending. Like, then go green or something. You know what I mean? Like, don't, don't come at me with all this crap before you buy your moped. Like, at least, at least show that you care a little bit about the earth before you try to say that ruin it for everybody else. I don't know where these people come from. I really don't. I had a friend in LA. He's, uh, he said that like a bunch of Loyola Marymount people were following him around. Uh, because he lived like near campus and I'm not making this up. Taylor really told me this, but, uh, he said that he lived near, near campus. Um, but he had a full-time job. He didn't, he wasn't going to school at that time. He went to college in like Colorado, I I guess. But, um, you know, he made his money. Like he, uh, obviously he was not involved in any sort of drug trafficking, but that's what I guess the kids thought um because he had a full-time job like he he's always you know, like worked in startup tech and stuff like that um and you know a great guy that uh was a beta KU um Aaron was telling me that uh you know that he's a little familiar with that too not a KU I mean like out in LA um so, you know, I, I, anything is possible. But, um, you know, gang-stalking is, is what it's called. And if we don't, you know, if you know something, I always say this, but if you, like, know something, say something. Because it's not okay to have, like, our fellow students getting gang-stalked. In Taylor's case, he obviously, like, he didn't go to Loyola Marymount. But, like, I really do go to University of Missouri. and And I really do have, you know, I mean basically two jobs, I had one full time role and a nighttime internship that I have to do for my degree program. And if I can't do those things, with a little peace and serenity, and having normal uh, living conditions, you know, I'm not going to be able to do those things, you know, I'm not going to be able to keep going to school, maybe somebody wants me to fail. I don't know. I don't know. That's, that's disgusting. Like, I would never prey on anybody, or wish somebody to, to fail. But I don't know, like, what happens again, like, you know, if you live by that little two-column proof code thing. Like, I don't know what your what that game is, but, but just don't bring it to me. Don't bring it to this apartment ever, because that's disgusting and weird. That's, I mean, that's weird. Like, I would, I would think like you would have to like grow up in, uh, you know, what do they call? What's that old seventy song? Want to take you to? funky town like that's funky that's like if you've gone to funky town you probably do do that but in my case i've never gone to funky town and i don't think i'm invited so i'm gonna stay living regularly and normal and i don't have to prove anything to you you know that's what i say maybe a lot of people are in my boat on that and i hope they stay in my boat on that Um, because our fellow students or colleagues should not be coming at us you know from from weird angles, um you know, there's a separation of church and state for a reason right so anyway, it's my little rant on that, but um last night I was just terrible, I you know got really sick from a nightcap, you know, <laughs> really sick from a nightcap um you know, my whole thing was people know uh Adderall, and I haven't taken that in years, my family's very happy with with me on that and um, you know, I've never been somebody that struggled with with any sort of addiction, aside from aside from you know how Adderall really didn't work out too well. But uh, so that's my thing. You know, that's that's really the only thing my family cares about. They don't. They don't. You know, uh, the other stuff that I'm talking about is really a benign, neutral to them. Like they don't really care. Could go either way because I can take it or leave it, and they know that. But why would you put pressure on me as if that's my thing? You know, if you don't know me, especially. I'm talking about, like I'm saying, the fellow colleagues and fellow students or whoever's living below me that I don't know if they even go to school here. But fellow somebody. Neighbors. Um, You know, it's just kind of weird. It's just kind of weird to judge somebody from a distance without ever talking to them. You know, and if we're bringing these people in from Funky Town to patrol, I mean, Jesus Christ. (laughs) Like... (laughs) I don't know, but I really I I feel bad. Like last night, I I um I meant to do like a really funny podcast because uh, I admit I'd seen a uh, bartender from Eastside Tavern, and I was always telling her, you know, I was hoping that I could do stand up over there. I think they they have stand up on Tuesday nights, and I just never got around to it. Uh, of course, now I work on Tuesday nights, but maybe I could switch my schedule. I don't know. Uh, it, it's something I'm gonna have to do because I've got. I've got some scripts, like some stand-up scripts that I that I could do. And you know, like podcasting is cool. It's meditating for me more than anything, very meditative. You know, but I should do some stand-up. I don't know. I um so I was trying to uh have a couple nightcaps just to relax, ease the nerves before I before I was going to do a little um mock uh, Stand up performance last night and I pick up my phone and it felt like everything I ate yesterday in which it kind of felt like that going down. I shouldn't be surprised by this, but looking back, like this is exactly what it was. It felt like everything that I ate yesterday went to like, not my stomach, but my lungs. Seriously. It, f- and that's disgusting. However you can do that. You hack somebody's pipes. I don't know what you do if you're from funky town and you know, if somebody's trying to chew and swallow their food I I don't know, you know, maybe Hitler always talked about how there's a shortage of food and and we have to take over other territory for food. That was like one of his biggest uh, things. But, um, you know, we're in America in 2023. (laughs) We've got a lot of food. I know the prices have gone up. uh, But it has nothing to do with supplies because of supply chain. So we don't need to eat one another that's supply chain, which is different than supply. Um, Not very difficult to to see when you have trains going up and so anyway um yeah uh and there'll there'll always be food there'll always be food there'll always be places we can go there'll always be new technology we can, there's a lot of Israelis that do really good research on like how to grow fruit in regions where you are had previously not been able to grow fruit for example so there's there's all kinds of different research around the world so that we can preserve our food supply um I shouldn't say always, but I feel like for the most part, we're, we're kind of good on on food, at least in America. Anyway, um, yeah, it, it, last night, no, it, it felt like and I'm just going to keep like going around and, and going back to last night. But like but making some really strong points while I do this. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, last night it, and it felt like that everything that I ate the entire day was just in like one of my lungs disgusting i mean so i couldn't talk so i was like i had no voice and i realized that right away and i'm like what like i if i my diaphragm doesn't seem to want to like elevate to where i can to where i can talk normally my my, it it felt like somebody shot me you know i don't know i've never been shot before but i would imagine it would feel like that it just it was disgusting And, and i don't know like who does this sort of behavior or where they do that at sort of sort of thing but you know just odd. So I, I I didn't bomb last night. I just didn't do anything last night and I meant to do, and I started to, and if anybody listened to it, I deleted it. So hopefully you didn't, but it was terrible. It was really bad. I was just, I don't even, I think I was talking about the battle Hawks. Like, you know, I don't really know what about the battle Hawks, uh, I just was saying that um, they should be an NFL team in St. Louis, I believe. St. Louis doesn't have a team in the NFL. And I, I thought that, well, you know, you're getting 40,000 people for XFL, yeah, which is weird, by the way, that the Rams had struggled with attendance. It's almost like certain people knew the Rams were leaving and they just stopped going. Or maybe it was in protest of, like, something regionally. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know why you couldn't draw if you're drawing 40000 plus for the XFL, which is probably cheaper, right? It's probably a lot cheaper than an NFL ticket, but maybe that's the problem. I don't know. It's just like uh, the whole thing in Chicago is too. It's like the Bears, everyone, like that's, it's Bear country. Northern Illinois, Central. So I don't know how many people live in Illinois, like 12 million or so, maybe 13, 14 million. I don't know. Said, said, said. to be said to be a lot of people leaving illinois I don't know why i can't talk today well at least i can talk a little bit today because i couldn't at all yesterday um but it's said to be you know kind of like in new york city where a lot of people are leaving yet there's still probably 12 13 million people in illinois and chicagoland area probably what like nine eight and a half million something like that so big it's it's you know it's like Kansas City and St. Louis combined and um and Columbia too probably and Jeff City too probably and maybe even Springfield <laughs> yeah probably um but um Chicago is big on the bears people know that um and it's like they play in a stadium that only holds like what 55,000 maybe 60 as opposed to like Lambeau Field, Packers have a huge following. But in a state with like maybe six million people, like Wisconsin, a city like Green Bay with maybe two hundred thousand people, I don't think any, not many more than that. Um, they draw incredibly well in the stadium. I think it holds like ninety thousand, maybe eighty thousand. I think the Rams' new uh, place out in L.A. SoFi it might hold, it might hold ninety. I think it holds quite a bit, actually. I think it might hold 90,000 people. And so what am I getting at? Well, like, for example, yes, in St. Louis, the problem was maybe tickets were a little much. The product on the field was bad, getting bad. And, um, you know, you have another team in the state that's very, very good. And I think even during the Rams' bad years, the Chiefs always looked like they were pretty good. Um, when the Rams are really good, the Chiefs weren't that good. It's kind of funny how that worked out, but um, yeah, I mean the Rams are really only good for like four years. A lot of people thought that they were like I was looking back at it, and I'm like ninety nine to like two thousand three is not very long. You know, it felt like a lot longer that they were good for in retrospect, but they really weren't that good for like too long. It's like nothing, obviously, like Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. In New England, nothing even like what Aaron Rodgers has accumulated in Green Bay um, and at this point Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs have had longer sustained success than ever the St. Louis Rams did right? Kylie should talk about that tomorrow but um, I look it's true and Kylie's people know he's a Kansas City guy I think right? Like, I don't want to leak that but he's a Kansas city guy. So it's like, he knows, he knows like, and, um, the thing is like, if that's a problem in Chicago where, you know, but you have such a big city. So I don't know. I I don't know if that's really an issue supply wise. The demand is there, but there's no tickets, you know, like, what would you say? If 60,000 can see the bears on any given Sunday, then what uh, about, uh, 8.5 8.5 million can't. I mean, it's like, it's a crazy high number. But that's the thing. It's like, if 8.5 million people are not being, well, hold on. I mean, you got to figure some are very old and can't walk. Some are very young and can't go without it. an adult. And some adults just don't care about sports or football. I don't know. Let's just say 5 million. 5 million people on any given Sunday in the Chicagoland area cannot go to their desired program of choice to, to their desired venue live sporting venue of choice they cannot go because there's a shortage of tickets and but in st louis in 2010 2012 2013 2015 was the last year i believe it had nothing to do with that there's plenty of tickets plenty of tickets this is a bad product It's just a bad product. I mean, maybe when they were good, you could argue that they had a a bit of a shortage of tickets. And then, like, I know a good one, Jets fans. Jets fans hate that the Jets keep raising uh, season ticket prices. That's, like, the biggest complaint I've ever heard from a fan base that hasn't seen any success since Rex Ryan and uh, Mark Sanchez. (laughs) Mark Sanchez. Um You've covered GQ Mark Sanchez. No, it's funny. Like they haven't had any success in quite some time. You know, they they looked okay at times this year, whatever. But the product on the field's pretty much identical, maybe even worse than the St. Louis Rams uh, of the later the later years before the move to L.A. Yeah. So if that's the case, like in in Jets fans are you know everything's more expensive. They're complaining about both at MetLife Stadium and and their PSLs and their season ticket price has gone up, like, I think, like something like over 100% in the past couple, two or three years. Now, I don't know. I have an aunt and uncle that were PSL holders for the St. Louis Rams um, and countless friends and people that I worked with uh, when I was younger. But I don't know... If it went up like that, I imagine that it could have. I don't really know. I don't know if it went up in price. I don't really know if, you know, why folks were limited on the secondary market or just didn't really want to, uh, just weren't interested on the secondary market and going to a Rams game, you know, when they had four or five wins. I got, that's probably what it was. And then you consider, too, the f- kind of football element that obviously we we see at Arrowhead in Soldier Field too, but especially Arrowhead. Arrowhead's probably second to none as far as atmosphere goes, right? There just wasn't that atmosphere in the Dome. Now, when they were really good and it was the greatest show on turf, I think people were pumped because that was such a unique feature that you have this really high-powered offense that's really, really good on turf inside greatest show on turf but that was really unique and then when that ended it's like what's the point of of playing inside when that's not that's no longer our showcase so when that's no longer the thing the 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 major selling point if you will i don't know if it was the selling point but i'm sure it certainly could have been for a few years And, and like so after that my point is what what are you selling so that folks will be interested um, on the secondary market. So the people that they want to see, you know, where's the demand coming from, right? And essentially nothing. I'm sorry, but there was no demand to see the ramp. And what what were you gonna say? Oh, I wanted to see uh, Sam Bradford. <laughs> like, no, I don't think anybody ever said that. I'm sorry. Uh, nothing against Sam. He had a great college career at Oklahoma, but. Um, Man, I mean, it's just like, I don't, like Steven Jackson, yeah, okay. Like You know, there's some some good ones, but I just don't know that the decline of the Rams wasn't almost completely because of the product on the field. I don't know. I just, I think that it was completely because of the product on the field. I don't know why else people wouldn't be. Wouldn't be interested. And I, okay, so maybe half the product on the field and half the atmosphere. Because, again, I've I've long had this theory that people would like pro football in St. Louis again, but it would have to be outside. It would have to be outside. Nobody's going back to the Dome. You know, a lot of trauma associated with, you know, the Dome after the Rams left. Couldn't play there. I and mean, the Battle Hawks, sure. They're hip. They're fun. They're new. They're basically Huey Lewis in the news in the early nineteen eighties. But uh, <laughs> the Rams, the Rams could not come back to St. Louis. I don't think. And if they did, or any other team, you know, kind of like a, what the Ravens did to Baltimore, I think I had a dream that happened, kind of thing, where you know the Colts left. And it's like the Colts were very historic. The Rams weren't really historic, to St. Louis, but you know if if some team were to emerge an expansion team maybe you put a capital b on the battlehawks and make them an nfl team i don't know i don't know what you do maybe you uh maybe you see if um god who would move i don't even know i would think like uh yeah probably probably the jets probably the jets at this point are the only team that could really move but I don't know I mean, maybe uh maybe the Chargers I don't know somebody was talking about the Chargers a while ago maybe the Spanos family said oh maybe we're gonna consider St. Louis uh but uh it would have to be outdoors like I I think that that is a selling point because it's it's that's a football atmosphere it's out it's outdoors you know you have the four seasons and look you know just like Arrowhead it's pretty nice pretty nice and uh obviously September, October, even parts of November pretty nice here. And it's football weather maybe mid to late November, December obviously, early January. Um and that would be a lot of fun I think for folks in St. Louis. I mean they they had that before before I was born, but they had that with the Cardinals, so the St. Louis football football Cardinals. So I don't know like if that's on in the works or people are Coming at that idea somehow but i feel like there would be demand if the ticket prices were kept at a reasonable price for peace for people to afford in that market and they'd have to have a decent product on the field but yeah, yeah, yeah i mean how do you patrol decent i mean you know what i mean like so if the rams get so bad to where they can't sell out the Dome or even come 80% capacity, which I don't even know if that ever happened, 80% capacity. It's probably close to it a few times uh, to start the game or whatever, you know, like, and then three-fourths of the arena, three-fourths of the Dome would leave. But I think for the other team, they would – you know that you can't put that in writing. That you have to play decent, or you're gonna to have to move. No, but I think that you could. I think that you could kind of uh, make a commitment to the city, to uh, like charities and things like that. To just really be very involved, and you you'd have to be very involved. I mean, and the Rams were. That's the thing that a lot of folks talk about too is that the Rams actually were pretty involved in in the community, and so that's it's tough whenever you have that just get up and leave. And I think that's one thing I didn't really realize uh, too much as a youngster. uh, Somebody, you know, I think I was, what, 24 when the Rams left, 23 maybe. Was their last season here or something like that. So to me, I I was very young. And I just remember I'm thinking to myself, like, from a business perspective, it, it makes some sense to go to L.A. Just like from a business perspective, it makes some sense to go to China. Doesn't mean you should do it doesn't mean you should do it. Um and you know, I don't know Stan personally, um you know, but uh I could only imagine it was obviously pretty much a business decision, an executive decision. You know. And also it could have been the healthcare uh situation, you know, with Obamacare, the Affordable Care Act, you you were said to be able to keep your doctor, but I think, kind of if the Rams are your doctor and they just left, I guess you couldn't really keep them <laughs> No, there's a lot of problems with that in the Affordable Care Act, kind of a off topic I don't know how they're correlated at all, but you know, I mean, look, uh, they did tell people that you were able to keep your doctor, and that like really never happened. I don't think too often, maybe because of bureaucratic. Involvement and things got uh, screwed up, but um, that part of the Affordable Care Act is like really um, people are. If there's one like huge complaint, I think among other things, um, it might be that. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if that's true though. Maybe you could keep your doctor. I I just I've heard reports that you haven't been able to in some cases, it doesn't exactly. Sit well with, with certain people, but but Stan Sitwell is um Stan Sitwell is my attorney, and in addition to Bob Loblaw, um, Bob Loblaw has um, well, you know, he's doing really good. He uh, he had an interview with Alex Jones, um, and then I heard Tim Dillon interviewing Alex Jones, actually. So Alex Jones has been a really Busy man, and you can tell you can hear it in his voice. I who knew, um, you know, that he was he was at he was at January 6th, he was at the uh the events on January 6th. Um, Alex Jones, what a what a character, doesn't mean you know, I look, I don't really know the guy, I don't really know the guy, I don't really know a lot of people at all, so I. I'm one of these guys where it's like, if I don't know you, I'm not going to just say like, oh, I don't like him because you realize like when you do that and a lot of people do this, especially when they're younger, they just hear stuff about people. They don't actually know that person. So if you're just judging by everything you ever hear in your life, it's like Hitler, Hitler never even went to the Soviet union and he had a conspiracy about it that it was a Jewish prophecy and that it was like hundred percent Jewish and that, um, all communists were Jews, and all Jews were communists. That was his biggest kind of misguided theory about the Soviet Union, a place he had never been. You know, so it's really hard to like. I I don't know why I'm using that example. I mean, I, just, I guess I just read Black Earth. Uh, Timothy Snyder, Professor Snyder, points that out a few times. His you know wrong, misguided prophecies. But I just think, you know, like, uh, yeah, I mean, look, I, there's just like, I don't want to judge. I've never been a in person. I like Aaron Judge. I think he's a great baseball player. And I, I enjoy when he hits judging and blasts, you know, at the Yankees, Yankee Stadium. But there's so many judging in type people that I've come across. It's just so disgusting, you know. Like, I don't care what side of the aisle you're on, you know, left, right, center, uh, upper left, upper right, lower left or lower right. You know, I don't know if you're a tea party candidate or a coffee party candidate. I really don't know. I don't know. You know, I don't know if you're an iced coffee uh, person or you're a, a bud select and ed pills type of person. <laughs> I'm sure both would be fun, maybe all three. Um, but uh <laughs> what? Yeah, it's just hard to uh hard to put into context how important it is to have a habitat, uh, an environment because we're not we're not animals. I mean, technically we are. All of us mammals. Some of us cannibals. Um what? That? What's that from? Yeah, but um so it's getting late. I You know, I haven't done laundry in a couple days. And I'm thinking to myself, like, the best laundry is no laundry, right? Where you just have enough money to just get new stuff all the time. I had a cousin that actually growing up, I don't know, like, she would, apparently, the, the story goes that she would buy stuff, wear it once, and throw it away. So, look. If you can manage to do that, to me, that says winning. <laughs> I don't know. I don't, To me, that's like uh, yeah. I've never done that. Like I, I've, I have like certain polos and like uh, shirts, even that I have probably had for years. You know, probably decades. No, not decades. I'm not that old. But I'm, I'm sure there's like guys in their forties and fifties that have had stuff for decades. Um yeah, and uh what else you know i uh I just really think it goes back to my nightcap my nightcap study that if you have a nightcap, one, two three four five six seven eight days, and you know same alleviation of stressors and everything like that everything is is normal or you know what you would expect because you know from your previous experiences what that what that one will do to you uh, for you um and then you know all of a sudden maybe you know the ninth time because the previous eight were as planned went well smoothly whatever and the ninth one is a little different why is that consent like environmental factors I guess would be the politically correct way to put it but I mean it's more than that and we're really gonna have to, we're gonna have to dive into it now we're gonna we're not gonna have to dive in but hopefully somebody could uh, bring to light what that would be or why that is because i I really don't know I mean I'm trying to trying the best I can to understand you know but it's like, too, um, you know, I, and you see this like in the Middle East, like with uh, war movies, you know, like when they just beat the shit out of somebody and they're like, you know what you did. And, and you know, most of the time they're terrorists, so they, they probably did know what they did or, you know, were holding out on not giving communication to the U.S. and um, to the CIA people over there. What Was I just watching with Jessica Chastain? I think that's what it was. I don't know. I think it was, she was the attorney and for the CIA or some specialist and she went over there and she couldn't do it at first. She's like, she's like I can't. She's like, this is like, this is too extreme. But then she got really good at it and it's basically like a hazing. I mean, you're hazing terrorists basically. And, uh, and so, you know, and I don't know what the hell movie is that? She's like, uh, I don't know what movie that is now. It's going to drive me nuts. It's on, I think it's on Netflix, but, uh, anyway it's like that just you know and but terrorists i mean typically they you know there's a reason why they're being held captive but it's like if you're a normal student you know we shouldn't play war games on campus with the regular uh fellow americans fellow missourians you know like crazy so um you know like how you how could you just hit somebody and assume that like they did something and, you know, they're not in Afghanistan. They've never been in Afghanistan. And they've never, you know, they don't have any sort of criminal history. Like, so you're just going to beat and beat and beat. And they're not joining a fraternity because they were already in one. So, like, what are you doing? Why would you just beat the shit out of somebody without any indication of, like, to what to what do they owe this, you know? It's like when, uh, when, when uh, Adam Klotz was uh, on the subway train, you know, about a month ago now, and got beat up by a bunch of young kids on the subway train after the Giants game. I think he had a few drinks after the Giants game, and was on the way home because he wouldn't drive home drunk, right? He'd take Uber or, or the subway if you're in New York, and um, he just gets beat the shit out of. But because he was sticking up for an old guy. And he was telling them not to not to pick on the old guy that the that the Hoodlums were, you know, the um the the gang was uh was picking on. And he got you know, Klotz got, you know, beat up for that. So, um yeah, I don't know. Look, he's just a Fox weatherman. I mean, he could be a CNN weatherman, it doesn't really matter. I don't I don't think Adam Klotz is really that political. I don't think he sends out job resumes um like oh i'm only gonna work for fox like you know <laughs> like i am pretty sure klotz didn't think that like i would be very surprised if he was like i'm not working at cnn weather ever like i couldn't imagine that was ever has ever been on any weatherman's mind ever i'm sorry but i just don't i think you'll likely take most jobs at a major uh news company but um what <laughs> you know um Yeah, so, like, that sort of – and that was obviously – there's no excuse for that. Klotz didn't do anything to those kids. It was totally unprovoked. He was just sticking up for somebody, you know. And it's, like, for my – like, for me, like, I'm in my own apartment. So to me, like, that's even worse than being, like, in a public place like the subway. Like, you should always have safety and, like, peace and, like, you know, if you were ever, like, whatever, beat up in your apartment, like, you'd at least want to know, like, why. Like, to what do you owe this, right? Right. And then, if these people, like, if they don't talk, they're antisocial, they don't, you don't see them outside, you wave, they don't wave back, that sort of thing. I mean, you have to wonder, like, what, to what you owe it. I mean, you know, like, I can't get over that. Like, it's just like, what is going on to where there's no indication of why stuff is happening? That is just bizarre. Anybody would want to know, um, like, again, after you've done some experience with, uh, a sample size of nightcaps, and they're a little, uh, they don't go down the same, uh, in some environments, uh, here. So, you know, I'm just, uh, you know, I didn't use the microphone for this podcast, but I, this is basically an extension of the unnatural nature of health podcast that I did earlier in the week. And I hope that few, uh, folks will find this well and, 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 and listen to it and understand, like, you know, I'm going through something over here and I'm really not sure what, uh, you know, so I gotta be able to get my, uh, you know, came for, came to get back to school and left with bruises, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to leave with bruises, I want to leave in peace, like a regular person, because that's what I am, all right, good times.